This is Christ Presbyterian Church, and you're listening to a homily from one of our Wednesday night Compline services. We hope you enjoy. So, I'm kind of wondering when I come to this passage, just what, what did the devil look like? Oh, I know, you're thinking that's kind of off topic. Well, really, is it? I mean, what happened here? What, what, what transacted? Was, was it in the form of the serpent as we understand it to be in Eden? I mean, was it a man, a person, a woman? A, was it someone that that was used by Satan to tempt him? Had he maybe met a traveler on the top of the hill that spoke such things? Or maybe it was just the devil speaking in his inner person, his thoughts, his emotions. It's striking to me that we have no idea what the devil looked like here which I think opens up a very important realm of possibilities in how we're to read this passage. You see, Christ here is, of course, taking upon himself the sin of humanity. He became sin that we might be justified. Here he is being tempted as we are. I suspect you The writer here would want us to somehow relate to to Jesus, even if his particular temptation was something that we would never have. For he is here tempted, and all three of these tempted, tempted things, to be or to do or to ask God to do exactly what had been promised him to be and to do or for God to do for him. You could walk right through it. All of these things. The first temptation, of course, is that that he was hungry and that he should be able to eat. You know, you're not to muzzle the ox is the tradition. The priest is to get their food from their ministry. He had every right to eat and he was hungry. The second one, of course, is that he was going to have all authority and power. Offer this. And yet again, we know, even now, he is the rightful heir to the throne of God. And then, of course, the final one, that he would be worshipped and that he would be glorified in the manner in which he would go to the temple. And, And we, of course, know that Jesus, that is his right to be worshipped. And yet in every way, these were temptations that were evil. So do you know why? What was wrong with this? You see, it's interesting that that all of these things, if they had been done, would have thwarted his suffering. Would have thwarted that atonement for sin that he came to accomplish It was all his rights 
to have these things. But the temptation was to, to connive that, wasn't it? To, to manipulate that, to use it as if to tempt him to his entitlements. Now, I know you don't ever struggle with that, right? I mean, when you stop to think about it, at the heart of almost all of our temptations is this sense of entitlement, this sense of, I deserve this, a sense of, of course God would want me to have that. And yet it's for the wrong purpose. And here it's also in the wrong way. It's to circumvent God, ironically, in the manner in which it's to come. It's coming by the tempter, by one who had evidently been given permission by God to tempt him. Is how I take his words there. As, of course, the case of Job. And the temptation was to play off, to leverage an entitlement. But to do so would have been self-love rather than the purpose of his coming, which was to love us and to lay down his life for us. We just confess sins, and both of those categories of sins really came down to that, didn't it? That there are many things we do and there are many things we say that might even be right, but if they are not in the service of loving God and loving our neighbor as a servant, willing even to suffer our entitlements for the sake of it, then we've sinned. And of course, we've lived in a world since Adam and Eve where every identity has felt entitled in a manner that polarizes us from other identities. How sad. But the good news of the gospel is Jesus resisted. And of course, we know how. The anecdote here is very clear. He immersed himself in the holy counsel of God, quoting the scriptures, quoting those things which exposed our purpose and sin in a way that could enable us to love. And praise be to God that because we, and when we confessed what we did here a few moments ago, that we have one who was tempted just like you, who's interceding for you, and yet without sin, so that his life could substitute for us, and we could be assured because we are not self-reliant for God's forgiveness, but Christ-reliant that his sacrifice was sufficient because he was tempted and he never once sinned.